Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time in episode 36, we're going to talk about your emergency kit, the things you should have there, and the things that you may not have thought of. We're also going to talk about the very concept of sinks, and this could be eye-opening, a product review of Camp Soap, bear with me, it's awesome, and a place to visit that is going to give you amazing ideas if you're just starting out building a van. Hey everyone, welcome back, thank you for listening. Last week I was talking about the off-road stuff, and I mentioned the tire puncture kit that everyone should have, it's like 10 bucks, they're usually found in any auto parts store, there's like some that have more stuff and other stuff, it doesn't matter, they're all basically the same, and they're often made by Slime, is the name of the company, Slime. And I thought, you know, this is the kind of thing that is super useful that everyone should have and know how to use. And maybe we need to do a whole episode on things like that. Things that you should have in your van for emergencies that maybe you haven't thought of. So let me go down the list here. But before I do that, I want to point out that I'm not going to go over obvious things. First aid kit, not going to go over that. Jumper cables. Well, you may not even need jumper cables if you have two batteries. You might be able to emergency start your van from the back batteries if you've wired it that way. Not that kind of stuff. I want to talk about some of the more unusual stuff that you may not have thought of. So first thing, the tire puncture repair kit. How this thing works is you get these patches. They're actually these long strings of kind of a rubberized cloth and you cover it with cement and you insert it in this t-shaped tool poke it into the hole of the tire and then pull the tool out really quick and what happens is the patch remains the tool comes out and it's a permanent fix for your tire i've done it probably half a dozen times and it actually works and it can save you from even having to change tires you don't even need to pull off the spare you just use this so get one of these things it's like 10 bucks And it would be a good thing to practice with if you have a way to do that without poking holes in your tire. Okay, here's a weird one. You know how you get a new cell phone every couple years or whatever, but probably you have an old cell phone laying around. Toss it in your van. Yeah, I know it doesn't have service. doesn't have a SIM card. I get it. A lot of old cell phones can dial 911 even if they're not hooked up to service. So make sure you put the charger in there too, because you're not probably not going to be keeping up the charge. But it's a good emergency thing to have in your van. Also, if something happens to your regular phone, you might be able to quickly activate this phone and use it if you needed to. So, old cell phone in the van, a good idea. I, in my van, have this stuff called True Fuel. It's a can of gasoline that is about the size of a propane canister, basically, and it's gasoline that's stabilized. And I can put it in the tank, and it'll maybe get me another 10 miles if I'm lucky. And while that may not sound like a lot, there are times that if you're going to run out of gas, that 10 miles is going to make a huge difference. Now, there's some risks with having this. I mean, obviously, it's gasoline you're going to store in your van. And while it's meant for that, sure, the can could get a puncture in it, or maybe it could somehow leak or something like that. So... Something to consider that if you're driving in parts of the country where gas stations are hard to come by, you might want to pick up some true fuel. And if you've never heard of it, I'll have a link in the show notes that explains it. 
you definitely want to have in your van some kind of wire. Now, it can be wire coat hangers. It can be a spool of wire. And I'm not talking about electrical wire. I'm talking about baling wire, basically. I mean, the, it was an old joke that on the farm you could fix everything with baling wire. And if you've ever worked on a farm... Yeah, um, they don't use baling wire so much on hay anymore. They usually use some kind of a twine. But I worked on a farm, and we had these metal flags, these little metal flags. You see them around when people are, like, looking for power lines and stuff. We use those things for everything. That little piece of wire is super handy. And in your van, you will need something like that if, say, one of your exhaust mounts breaks or something happens to your doors and you can't close them or whatever just have some kind of wire and again a coat hanger is fine in your van that is going to be super handy in emergencies the other joke is that you should have duct tape right well duct tape is garbage in my opinion duct tape isn't good for anything it's not good for ducks it's not good for ducts and actually folks it is duct tape like the animal the cloth is called duck so it's tape made out of duck the cloth anyway you don't want duct tape i don't even know why i'm mentioning it you want gorilla tape or gaffer's tape or some really heavy duty tape like that this stuff can be used to hold up your window if it breaks you can tape your door shut you can tape on your front bumper if something bad happens Gorilla Tape is amazingly strong stuff. Flex Tape, I don't care what brand you get, but you want some of the really good tape, just toss that in the back of your van. Hopefully you'll never need it, but when you do, you're going to be super glad you have it. You can repair cloth, metal, anything with it. It's, it's amazing stuff. You definitely should have some. Here's another strange one. You want to have a bar of soap in your van, preferably ivory soap. Why? There's a few things you can do with ivory soap, but the one specifically I want you to know about that you may not have heard of is that you can repair gas tank leaks with it. It's weird, but it's true. When gasoline hits ivory soap, and probably other brands too, but let's stick with ivory for now, this reaction happens that turns it into this hard substance, and you can patch a hole with the ivory soap, and it will dry and it will keep your gasoline from leaking out of the tank. Now, some say it's only a temporary repair. It's only going to last a few days. Some say it's a permanent repair. Whatever. All I know is that it's going to stop gasoline from leaking out of your van. And that's going to be enough to go get help. Just a bar of ivory soap. And you know what? If you had one of those little hotel-sized bars, that would be perfect. You should have some kind of a noise-making device in your van. A whistle, a horn, something like that. If you are in trouble in the wilderness, for example, this is the kind of thing that's going to attract attention. All survival kits basically come with a whistle, and it's because if you blow a whistle three times, that is the international signal for distress. You don't have to get fancy and do SOS on the thing. Blow it three times, and anybody in the area who is able to help you should come help. In my van, I like to carry a tent. And you might say, why do you have a tent? Do you have a van? Because I may not have the van. Let's say I break down on the side of the road. They need to keep the van overnight and I can't sleep in the van while they're keeping it. I'll have the tent. I basically want to have a go bag in my van where I can go stay at a campground or BLM land or wherever 
if my van needs to be worked on. It's just a little bit of safety and security. And on some nights, I may want to sleep in the tent. If it's particularly hot and it's cooler outside, sure, I'll sleep in the tent. A one-person tent is not very big. It's the kind of thing you can stuff under a bed or behind cabinets or under the driver's seat doesn't take very long to set up and it's just nice knowing that even if I can't sleep in my van I do have a place to sleep with me. Along the same lines it's not a bad idea to have some kind of a tarp or a shower curtain or something like that in the van because you never know if you're going to break down on the side of the road and you have to crawl under your van. Well you might not want to just crawl around in the dirt if you can put down a tarp under there can crawl on that that's going to be a lot more comfortable and will also help you from losing parts and stuff like that another thing i always have with me in my van is an e-tool or an entrenching tool it's basically a folding shovel it's three pieces that fold up into a fairly small compartment and their military issue this is what they use in the military to dig foxholes and you can do all kinds of stuff with these things if you get stuck in the sand you can use this to dig yourself out. If you get stuck in the snow, you can use this to dig yourself out. If you need to hack down some branches, you can use this for that too, because one side is like an axe. If you need to grab something out of hot coals, just extend it fully and you've got a giant spatula. These things are very versatile and it's like all your garden tools in one, basically. And they're not that expensive. You can get super expensive tactical ones and that have all kinds of crazy stuff. Or you can just get a cheap one at the Army Supply Store or an Amazon, whatever. I actually have two. I have a very cheap one and I have a, a better one. And the better one is just tougher. That's really the only difference. I'm going to feel more comfortable chopping down a tree with the better one. Truth be told, I haven't had to do that, but I'm glad I have it just in case. And also, I'm going to clue you in on a special use for these things. A lot of people have these for digging cat holes. That is a place to go to the bathroom in the woods, because they're perfect for that. But if you fold them just the right way, they're also a seat. You can actually sit on them while you're out there with your cat hole. So um, they're just there to help you at all times. I highly recommend you have one in your van. And the last thing, and maybe the most important thing, depending on your particular situation, is a credit card. This is a credit card that is not in your wallet, or it could be a duplicate of it, but better for it not to be. Hide it in your van somewhere super safe. I'm not going to tell you where I hid mine, it's just a credit card. You can find somewhere safe to hide a credit card. And the idea here is that if you lose your wallet, or you get robbed, or something bad happens you still have a credit card in your van that you don't have to cancel that you can use to get yourself out of trouble. Doesn't have to have a huge credit limit. It just has to get you through a day or two. I have a card with just a thousand dollar limit that I never use for anything and it sits in the van and in case I get in trouble, that's what I'm going to use. And it's also helpful if I forget my wallet at home and I'm at the grocery store and I can't pay. Although I have to say the Apple Watch is helping out with that quite a bit. So that's my list of things that you may not have thought of that are good emergency things to bring in your van. If I've forgotten something, please let me know. I'm available at jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not three, not one. Tech Talk. I got a lovely bit of email from Liz who wrote to talk to me about sinks. And she has a very interesting solution to sinks. 
you would think a sink is what? Or if I were to ask you to describe what a sink was, you would probably say it's a thing that holds water. But that's not really what a sink is. A bowl is a thing that holds water. A container holds water. What a sink does that's special is that it drains water. It's a place where you get rid of water you don't want. So what if you look at the problem of having a sink in the van as not a place to put water, like in a bowl, but as a place to get rid of water? Now, sinks take up a lot of space in your van. doesn't really matter what size sink you have. It's going to eat up a good amount of counter space. And sure, you can put inserts in that cover it up and stuff, but you're still dedicating a good amount of space to your van for the sink. What if you minimize that and focused on the root use for a sink, and that is as a drain? And that's what Liz did. She's using a funnel as a sink. If she needs to wash dishes or something, she pulls out a collapsible bowl and does all the dishes in there. The funnel is just to get rid of the wastewater, which is what you absolutely need a sink to do. And think about how brilliant this is. She can actually do the dishes outside and then dump things in the funnel. Or maybe she doesn't need to. Maybe she can just brush her teeth and it's just this little funnel she has to spit into. So she has this funnel that takes up the minimum amount of space. And heck, it doesn't even have to be in the counter. It could be just hanging off the edge of the counter. It could be something you could pick up. This is a great lesson in in van design and van building. It's getting to the core of what you want something to do and breaking down your own preconceived notions of what a thing is. A sink is not a bowl with faucets. A sink is a drain. That is its core purpose. And I think Liz's suggestion is great here. If you're in a small van like mine, consider just doing a drain and then having other containers to fill with water for whatever purpose you need the water for. It might save you enough space to put in something more fun. So thank you, Liz, for that. I think that was an excellent suggestion, and I'm going to think some more about that. I, I see some potential there. Okay, product review of something I absolutely love, and it, it doesn't seem like something you'd get excited about, but, but this stuff is really great. Again, this is not a paid review. I just honestly love this stuff. It's Coughlin's Camp Soap. Now, I, Coughlin is this company that makes camping stuff. If you go to Walmart's camping section or Dick's camping section or whatever, you'll see a lot of Coughlin stuff. And one of the things you're going to see is this little container of green soap called Camp Soap. That's it. But the stuff is amazing. I know everybody likes Dr. Bronner's, and I have some Dr. Bronner's too. That's fine. But I like this stuff better because it doesn't have that odd odor that Dr. Bronner's has. Even with all the scents that you can get it in, it still has this odd kind of musty odor that I'm not a big fan of. Coughlin's doesn't have that. Also, Coughlin's does exactly what it says. It's kind of amazing. Here, I'm going to read the description. Use it to clean greasy cookware, dishes, utensils, clothing, and more. The soap is also effective for washing hands, face, body, and hair, and is handy to have with you when you're going to be away from a shower for a few days. I've used it for all of those things. It is the one soap you need to do all your soapy needs in the van. Just a tiniest drop is all you need to wash your hands, and maybe three drops to do dishes. You could put them on a sponge or whatever. Anyway, it's really mild, it's biodegradable, and it is extremely effective. 
Now, while we're talking about this stuff that I really love, there's two things you have to know. One is, it's pretty darn expensive. Per ounce, it's probably the most expensive soap that I've seen. But, that can be worth it. Also, people have this idea that they can kind of soap themselves up and jump into a river or a stream, and because the soap is biodegradable, they're not hurting nature. Eh, not so much. Even on Coughlin's website, it talks about how while the stuff is biodegradable, you don't want to get it directly into any waterways. Any soap that gets into a waterway is going to affect that waterway. How much? Does it matter? Those are all things you can debate. I'm going to suggest that it's going to matter more in a small pond than it is in a large river. But just something to consider that all soaps will impact waterways if that soap gets in the waterway. What Coughlin recommends is that you dump the dishwater into a hole in the ground and bury it. Or, because we're in vans and we're talking about sinks and plumbing this episode, you could just dump it down the drain and dispose of it the way you do all your gray water. At any rate, this stuff is awesome. I suggest you get it and just throw it in your van. It doesn't take up a lot of space, and you will never run out of soap again. You can use it for your hair, your dishes, your laundry whatever. And if you're wondering why I'm speaking specifically about Coughlin's Camp Soap and not Camp Suds or any of the others, it's because it's the cheapest. You can get four ounces of Coughlin's Camp Soap for $3.99 on Amazon right now, and that is far and away the cheapest way to get this stuff. Again, link in the show notes. A place to visit. Yeah, it's, it's hard out there, you know, COVID is still with us and things are a little strange, but museums are by and large open. And I'm going to recommend a museum that I'm amazed I haven't talked about. I can't believe it took me 36 episodes to talk about this place, but it's called the RV Hall of Fame. And it's in, appropriately, Elkhart, Indiana, which is where quite a few different motorhomes are made. This place is, it's a museum of RVs. It's a hall and you go in there and they've got... 30 or 40 RVs, some of which are over 100 years old. And you can go inside them and see how things work, and it's pretty cool. It does cost like 12 bucks to go in, but I think it's worth it. And this is why I'm specifically recommending it. I'm not recommending it just because it's a fun thing to do. I mean, this is not an RV podcast. We're, we separate RVs from vans to some extent here. What this place is really good for is getting ideas of things you can do in your van especially from the older RVs, because they solved problems differently than we do now, and they solved them with less technology. For example, they have an original Winnebago Brave, that is the, you know, the classic Winnebago shape from the late 60s. Do you know how the water system worked in there? The idea was that every time you went to a gas station, you would have them pump up the water tank with air. The water worked on air pressure. I mean, in the back of the RV, there was a little Schrader valve that you would just hook up to the air hose and pump it up. That works. That's actually something you can do. There was an older RV, though, from the 50s, and the way their water worked was that the tank was on the roof. So it was simply a gravity-fed system. Yes, there's problems with both of those systems, but the uh, point is that you get these ideas that maybe will help you in your van, and it's just kind of fun. So, this is in Elkhart, Indiana. You can't miss it, and I'll have a link in the show notes. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. It's the RV Museum and Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Fame isn't for RVs. It's for RV industry people, which I think has a very limited audience, and honestly, I'm not it. 
I've got a resource recommendation for you that is, uh, it's a bit pricey, but it actually could save you an awful lot of money. There's a company called Outdoorsy. Again, this is not a paid mention. Outdoorsy rents people's vans and RVs. So basically, if you've built a camper van and you're only going to use it for six months a year or whatever, and you want to rent it out for the other six months of the year, they act like a broker to do that for you. Kind of like a rolling Airbnb or Verbo. What this means for you, though, is if you want to try out a van, if you want to see what it's like to have a van of a certain type or see what it's like to sleep in the winter in a van or whatever, you can do it with these guys. You can go through the list and find a van that's kind of like the one you want to have for yourself and then rent it for a few days and see how you like it. Now, here's the drawback. The pricing is pretty steep. There aren't very many vans you can get for less than $100 a night, which of course is, is more than a hotel in many places. And there's often mileage restrictions. So you have to look into all that. But I'm going to suggest that if you invest $500 now in spending a weekend in one of these vans, that's going to teach you so much about what you want and what you don't want that you're going to make that $500 back by not making bad decisions in the future. Not only that, for many of you, that might be the thing that teaches you that you do not want to do a van, or maybe you don't want to build it yourself, or maybe you look at this and you decide that you do want to do it yourself. All this stuff can happen just because you rent one of these vans. I'll have a link in the show notes, but it's just outdoorsy.com. I think you can find it on your own. Okay, Q&A. This question came up recently, and it's come up before, and I think I've addressed it on the podcast, but we're going to talk about it again. And this is, how do you deal with recycling on the road? Now, I know a lot of people who are in vans are interested in saving the environment and being as low impact as possible, and these are all good things that I applaud. At the same time, I do think it's important to keep things in perspective. I was reading about some people who would separate their recycling in the van, so they'd have trash and they'd have recycling, and then they would drive around looking for a place to dispose of the recycling because that's a lot harder to find. It's pretty easy to find a place to throw out trash. You know, any gas station or any grocery store generally has a big trash can out front, so that's not hard. Recycling's more difficult. And while I applaud their efforts... I have to take a step back and point out that you are harming the environment more by driving around looking for a recycling place than if you were to just throw the recycling in the trash. I know I can feel you cringing from here, but hear me out. Driving your van actually is not a great thing for the environment. You're pumping greenhouse gases into the air, and the impact of that is going to be significantly more than the impact of your plastic bottles going into a landfill somewhere. Honestly, recycling is a game of large numbers. It matters when you're counting tons, not small amounts. Now, if you have space in your van and you want to separate your recycling, that's great. But it is never ecologically sound to drive around looking for a place to get rid of that recycling. You should hold on to it until you find a place that you're already at that has recycling and then do it there. And some of those places include rest areas, campgrounds, and recycling centers that just happen to be where you are. 
I know it goes against the nature of some of you, especially if you're younger, because you grew up with recycling. For me, I grew up with, there's the trash can, if you don't want it, it goes in there, and that's it. And honestly, I feel like that is an acceptable approach for van life. I recycle only when it's convenient. If I'm at a place and I'm throwing out trash and then, oh, look, there's a place for aluminum cans or there's a place for plastic bottles, I will take the time to separate those and recycle them. But I am not keeping two containers in my van. I've got a trash container and that's it. I do not have a recycling container. I simply don't have the space in my small van. Do I feel guilty about it? I don't. And I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not really sorry. I'm just concerned that you think I'm a terrible person now because of this. But consider again these large numbers. At home, I recycle three times more than I throw away. My recycling bin fills up three times for every one time my trash barrel fills up. And at some level, you have to look at the economics of recycling because not everything is equal. Aluminum cans, yes, it makes perfect sense to recycle that. Plastic bottles, uh, not as much. Um, There aren't that many things that can be made out of recycled plastics. Cardboard? Eh, It's not really worth anything. So this is my basic strategy for dealing with this at the end of the day. I try to bring as little trash into the van that I can. That means that when I go to the grocery store and I buy groceries for the van, I take the time to unpackage as much as I can at the grocery store, and then I will recycle or throw that stuff away as I can at the store. It never makes it into the van. If I buy frozen food and it's in a box and inside that box is a pouch, just the pouch goes into the van. And if it has cooking instructions I need, I just take a picture of them. That doesn't take up any space at all. And then when it's time for me to cook my Swedish meatballs or whatever, I can just look it up on my phone. So I am giving you permission not to feel guilty about throwing away recyclable items while you're in your van. Because the impact on the world is tiny, and the impact on your life in your small van is pretty huge. And if you feel really guilty about it, Donate some money to an environmental cause. That will certainly have more impact than anything you could have done with recycling with the little amount of stuff you have in your van. I know you might hate me now or that you might have a counter-argument. If you do, send it to me. I want to hear it. Maybe we can have a little bit of a debate or maybe you'll convince me that I'm wrong and that it's worth driving 10 miles to throw away six cans, three plastic bottles, and a cardboard box. But you're going to have to have a pretty good argument. A little bit of van news. There hasn't been a whole lot of news in the van life community lately. There's increasing talk of places being shut down to van life and its impact and that kind of a thing. But there has been a trend I've seen in the last few weeks, which is a lot of articles about the negative aspects of van life. We've got the articles where a reporter needs a story and will spend a weekend in a van and tell about how horrible it was, I couldn't control the temperature, and the bathroom was so small, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. But there were some good ones about how people had lived in a van for a year and that it isn't like it is on Instagram. Those are pretty good articles to check out. I will link some in the show notes. While I think they are targeting the most negative aspects about van life, it's still good to look at, especially if you've never done it. 
You should go through these things, but know that these articles were meant to be negative. They ignore all the positive stuff. And a lot of the complaints they have are completely manageable. They're things that you don't have to put up with. Like one person was complaining about a leaky roof. Well, fix the leak. You're in a van. You have tools. You can fix that. That's what we do. Another person was complaining about how the sink was so small. Well, get a bigger sink or use a collapsible. I mean, anyway, there are ways to solve a lot of the things. But I do recommend you check them out. Just know that van life is like life. It is. It's just life. It has ups and downs. And some people enjoy it and some people don't. And everything you see that's on one extreme is leaving out a big, big part of the picture. One other little piece of news is that RV prices and van prices are going way up. There's a lot of demand on them now. There's, and especially for some models like ProMasters, there's a ton of pressure on these vans right now because of recalls and lack of parts. And there's a lot going on. If you can, wait. Because with the economy the way it is and all these businesses going out, there are going to be lots of vans coming on the market, lots of used commercial vans. So my advice there is to just wait. Watch commercialtrucktrader.com, see how the prices are going. But unless you are in a big rush and you need to get out now, just go ahead and wait a little bit. And I think you're going to see that van prices are going to come down. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to episode 36. You can find every single episode at builttogo.com. Music, as always, is by Simon Wag. And until next time, remember, patience is something you admire in the driver behind you and scorn in the one ahead. Mac McCleary. <laughs>